0: Welcome back to another episode of Chats with the Starving Artists. Thank you guys for being patient, number one. Uh, Apologies for not being able to get episodes out uh, on a regular basis. Um, But very, very appreciative of all the feedback that everybody's given and just even uh, subscribing and the love and everybody that's been participating. And if you need help with anything as far as creative goes, definitely feel free to hit me up at creative underscore Ian on social, Ian at Ian, the letter D is in Davis, co, co. Um, and we're here at A3C in Atlanta, A3C Hip Hop Festival and Music Conference. I had the opportunity yesterday to moderate and, and hold conversation and dialogue with a bunch of great guys uh, that work on the brand and agency side um, and media side as well. And today we have James Cuthbert, joining us. James, real quick, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your creative discipline, but then also your discipline on the business side and the type of work that you do within the creative community and with the creative community?
1: Yeah, no, no I just want to thank you for the opportunity to come on. Yeah, appreciate what you do. I'm so excited about that. I had a great time on the panel yesterday. Awesome. Um, so i just kind of thinking, yeah, so... James Cuthbert, man, originally from Rochester,
0: New York, Okay. east side of the city to be particular. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> Is there a difference between east and west?
1: Well, after the mid-90s, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> east,
1: it's funny because that whole east coast, west coast split yeah. actually split Rochester, New York. Okay. So just...
0: That's interesting. That's, a,
1: that's a, another conversation. But just quickly, yeah, so I mean, uh, I'm somebody who's, who came from hip-hop, man, I'm... I've been in and around hip hop since I was probably eight years old. Okay. So with my first album probably being three feet high and rising, um, kind of all the way up through, uh, I mean, all my favorites from, from G- Rap back in the day to, you know, you know, you could say somebody more like a Nas. Yeah. To, to all the way to like a Drake. Okay. Or, or J. Cole. Or I'm or a Kendrick big. Lamar today. Yeah, yeah, I'm a
0: big Nas fan.
1: I'm a huge Nas fan. Okay.
0: You know? Okay. So your roots are in Rochester, and then uh, where'd you go to school at?
1: Yeah, so I went to school at Penn State. Okay. Or I did undergrad at Penn State. Um, after I left college, I literally just spent about four years in nonprofit, working okay. with at-risk kids okay. uh, in Rochester, New York, and went to the University of Rochester for graduate school okay. to get my MBA. In mm-hmm. the last decade or so, or nearly a decade, I've been doing marketing of some sort or another.
0: Okay. Okay, awesome. So, in, in the marketing world, tell us where you work, who you work for, the type of work that you do. And how you work with the creative community and kind of like taking your passion of, of music and, you know, looking at people like Nas and Drake, and obviously like, you know, Drake wasn't around when you were coming up, but um, just looking at those sort of musical influences and how you've transitioned that into the work that you're doing professionally.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know, I actually go, I was recently at a, a local high school here in the city of Atlanta, just talking to young people about pursuing your passion. Yeah. And the fact that if you work hard... Um, if you always keep your passion in your forefront yep. and realize it may not be the direct way in, but it be another way in to get to it, you can find it. Here's kind of my path and how I found it. So, I had an opportunity to, uh, you know, you know, my most recent position, I was a brand manager on Sprite. Okay. Running uh, innovation and in all the music marketing. Okay. Um, so, I was charged with creating the music strategy for Sprite. Okay. Okay. Um, if you're familiar with Sprite at all, I mean, Sprite's got yeah. a heritage in hip-hop going back to the, you know, late 80s. I mean, if you look
0: at even, like, Grant Hill drink Sprite, like, that's, there's hip-hop in that. You yep. know, it's a very, very sports-driven campaign and spot, but you look at the community surrounding, you look at the environment that he was in, you hear the music in the back, you hear hip-hop. Um, and I don't know where that was shot at, it might have been in New York, but you hear... The culture, hip hop culture, you know, is embodied in that in that setting spot. So yeah, I'm super super familiar with Sprite, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no,
1: not, not at all. I mean in, uh and actually one of my mentors, uh Mr. Daryl Cobbin, okay is uh, he's another hip hop head. Okay. But somebody who gets it but who got it back um, in nineteen ninety four. Okay. So nineteen ninety four they launched the obey your thirst campaign. Yeah. So that's when they went from I like the Sprite and you with the with that the heavy D.
0: That's I don't remember that, but now I'm gonna have to look back <laughs> look at that.
1: Look back at the dilly 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 D. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yes, 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 yes.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Oh, and they crisscross. I mean, they kind of were. They were a little bit kind of. They were getting into hip-hop. They didn't really quite figure it out. 1994 is when they figured it out. Okay. That's when it changed to this idea of how can we authentically be part of, you could say, the true culture of hip-hop. And it was pretty easy back then. It was either you were a commercial uh, or you were underground. Right, right, right. You you had to choose a side. You couldn't play both. Yeah. Um, So, you know, Sprites chose the underground. Yeah. So our first TV spot was with Tripod Quest for that new campaign. man. In 1994, one of my favorite groups of all time.
0: That was my favorite group of all time, too. Uh,
1: And then uh, after that, we did... uh, a TV spot with um, Karis One and MC Shan in the ring.
0: Okay, I'm mean, gonna have to look this stuff up. I don't, I don't recall it. Like in the front of my memory, I probably have seen it. If you,
1: if you go back and look at the spots, you'll, you'll be like, oh. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then they did the spot with Nas and AZ on stoop. Okay. Um, uh, and then, they, then after that, they did a they did a couple other spots. But then they then they got into some Voltron stuff, and they did some other stuff. Okay. And I feel like they had this their eye and the, kind of like the finger on authenticity. Yeah. But then for about the last ten years, then there was like the little sprite guy, who <laughs> was like a fake little penny who yeah. was like controversial. And that was, I think, that's where I like to say we lost our way culturally. Yeah. Um, then, if you fast forward to kind of like today, or I'll say 2014 when mm-hmm. I came on the brand, uh, we hadn't really done much in music outside of like sponsoring the BET Cyphers, which yeah. we've done for a long time, great partnership with BET yeah. um, in a long time. So, I was actually given kind of the keys to say, hey, create a whole music strategy, uh, create an activation. Um, and at the time, we had signed Drake on a Friday, and I started on a Monday. Wow. And find a way to use Drake. Wow. So that's that's pretty much my briefing to okay, figure out what we're gonna do on music. So
0: this is so this is what 2010 2011. This is
1: 2008 no, because we had, we had had Drake we re-signed Drake again. So we okay. had Drake for that commercial that his face yeah, came off. Yeah, with the face, yeah, yeah. So that wasn't me. Okay. So fast forward, we we still ran that commercial forever. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that the the
0: cycle was crazy.
1: Um, but so but then uh, you know as I came on, I had an opportunity. We had just re-signed him again. Okay. Um, to kind of figure out what we're gonna do.
0: Okay.
1: Um so you know just working uh you know anytime I, you anytime you're in any position especially marketing step one is you have to make sure you're on you sit on a firm and good strategy. Yeah. And anytime you touch hip hop it has to be authentic. Yeah. It has to be real and it can't just live like I was saying yesterday. It can't just live in the sky. Yeah. It also has to live in the street. Yeah. Um but in order to be able to even have be able to say anything uh, we had to regain some of that credibility. Yeah. Young people don't remember those those iconic spots that we did back in the day, yeah, they kind of know it's Obey your thirst, but we yeah. actually had four different taglines, right? Over like four or five different taglines. Then when we went away from Obey first thirst until I came back. Okay. So step one, create a strategy. So me uh, being someone who came from hip hop, man, like I said, I used to, I used to do freestyle battles. I used to, be, like, man, I've been writing rhymes probably the whole <laughs> life. I put at least ten thousand hours on, on with my pen. That's uh, crazy. Owned the studio in Rochester, New York. Wow! Over on Central, right across from the train station, okay. for a while. Okay. Um, and pj would with my, I had my twelve hundred still at home.
0: Techniques. Yeah. Wow. Uh,
1: to help pay my way through college, right? So like, I'm, I'm hip hop. Yeah. I am hip hop. So that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So you have, so you have, and you know, this is what we talk about with the platform. Like, this podcast is just part of the age of the creative platform, yeah. which, you know, we have the podcast, we have monthly play, wow. I have a monthly playlist that, of emerging musicians that I, uh, to, emerging musicians look out for that I put out, create content. With the age of the creative platform, it's really showing that everybody's a creative. And, you know, I think you just kind of lent a little uh, – something a little bit more interesting to it, you know, looking at you being a person on the business side of things. Um, But then also going back to your creative roots and, you know, just kind of looking – you just telling your story and your path. Your creativity, you know, has now impacted your, your, your roots of your creativity from being a DJ to, to writing to spitting, uh, you know, has now impacted the stuff that you've worked on, you know. So your creativity has transitioned through, although you're not, you know, you're not a rapper, you know, by, by out here selling albums and, you know, trying to, trying to get on or whatever the case may be, but you've now transitioned and said, hey. I'm going to flip, you know, my my creativity and now parlay this onto the business side, which is the thing a lot of people aren't able to do, unfortunately, or just have that sense of acumen uh, and, and level of thinking to be like, all right, this is how I could, you know, parlay something. I, it, I'm sure that it shows within Obey Your Verse. So, were you the brainchild behind Obey Your Verse, or? You know, was it a collective and something that was kind of already existing and then you could put it together? Can you talk a little bit about Obey Your Verse and what exactly that is it's for people that aren't familiar?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So I can tell you the origin
0: story. Okay, okay. So
1: one, I'll say... Uh we did not have it. So in 2015, um, we were transitioning between agencies. Yeah. So we had translation from Steve Stiles. Yeah. Steve,
0: right? IPG, super familiar. I used to work for IPG. S-
1: yeah, super dope. Um, and then we were transitioning to Whitey Kennedy.
0: New York. <laughs> I worked at Whitey. So <laughs> I worked at McCann and I worked at Whitey.
1: <laughs> so so it's like so um, you know, but while we did that, we, nobody was scoped for music for 2015. Right. So my, you know, my uh, my boss at the time. Uh, Kim Page, one of the smartest marketers that totally gets hip hop and culture. Yeah, big reason why Sprite was able to make that turnaround. Uh, empowered me to say, "Hey, figure it out." Yeah. So didn't have agency support. So the first thing I did was I was like, "Well, I'm gonna build my own team, my super team." Smart. So step one, I go out and get a good friend of mine, Chuck Welsh.
0: Um, I know Chuck. Wow, you know Chuck? Yo, this is crazy. Chuck just texted me the other day. Chuck's good. Chuck is. Chuck like, is a good dude. He, we worked together on. at McCann, and then Chuck was uh, instrumental um, in making sure that I got on it white.
1: Yeah, and he, he's, doing a, he's doing his own thing now. Yeah,
0: yeah, we've been, we have been we met a couple weeks ago and had a conversation about, about that. We'll talk about that later. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> so, so, so Chuck was there at the, so Chuck, I brought Chuck in, and me and Chuck were basically like linked at the hip of like figuring out the strategy, and the, yeah. uh, kind of like the music strategy, yeah. where we should play. Uh, then I brought a gentleman, uh, Robbie Shelton. Okay. Uh, Robbie, uh, man, for a long time, he was a uh, street rep all over the East Coast. He's one of the actually the people behind the whole uh, uh, 50 Cent mixtape strategy that blew him up. So he was wow. like, he was one of the, the brainchilds behind that.
0: Wow. Okay. A little
1: known about Chuck too. You know Chuck is the brainchild behind oh, the past the, 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 the awesome. PA campaign.
0: No. <laughs> because he was working with
1: Russell Simmons at that time.
0: Wow. Like, so you, so think about crazy. So, so think
1: about these and this these people crazy. are just randomly around. And this is where you know God is yeah, working sometimes. So yeah. it's like so I got Chuck here oh, okay. who's got all this experience and you know worked with Russell Simmons for years. worked yeah. In the agency side. I bring my friend Robbie, who's, whose wife is actually a sister, cousin of a good friend of mine in Rochester, New York. It's okay. A small world. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then I bring a, a friend of mine, Alex Williams, okay. who, who's from here, from College Park here locally, he was working at a digital agency called CSC at the time. Mm-hmm. He's now at Under Armour uh, doing activations for, uh, doing uh, you know, brand activations for Under Armour, but totally gets the culture piece, gets the activation piece, um, et cetera. So I had my super team. Yeah. So we sat in this little room and I go, and we got we got a Here whiteboard. in Atlanta Here in Atlanta okay. at, at the build We got a whiteboard Just like that Yeah, And uh, we literally just We, we kind of got at it
0: That's crazy So um, the idea Is actually my idea So I was literally
1: Taking a shower After one of our Strategic uh, sessions And thinking like Man I worked at General Mills for a while yeah. They have Wheaties Super so, familiar General Mills yeah, I worked so I was, on that too Yeah <laughs> so, so I was like Man what if we, What if you could have that's a Wheaties box for today? Okay. Yeah. Then I was like, still, I was like, what if you had a Wheaties box for soft drinks for multicultural young people that can be that can be done in a way that's authentic to the culture? Yeah. And can be done in a way where I can help push forward. This is going on in the back of my head. So there's another through line that goes behind my head that I call save hip hop. Yeah. Save help 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 progress hip hop. Yeah. i like to be more progressive I thought
0: that yeah okay so um, Drake Drake fits that bill for sure
1: so and, and I think when I also think so we had, we had Drake already remember right, we had right. Drake already signed so I had to build a program around that uh, so then you know so, so then from there it's like the idea of Obey Versus Obey. yeah my brother actually came up with the name and called me who, who makes film he's an independent filmmaker
0: that's crazy did, did, he, did he get any sort of you know IP or whatever on no, that? so
1: so basically since he was my brother it would have been like for like, me to try to like pay my brother to do something yeah. so he oh. gifted it so he actually wrote an email and gifted it to the Coca-Cola company that's the
0: strength that's sick that's sick
1: so like literally you got a campaign that my brother came up with the name
0: that's sick who's
1: an uber creative like who put me like he's six years older than me but like he was part of the two hip hop crews that in Rochester I can talk about <laughs> <laughs> back in the 80s yo this you is know, it was wild was okay um, but uh, so he gifted the name I came up with the idea I worked with my brain trust of Chuck um, uh, you know uh, Chuck Welsh uh, Robbie Shelton, and then uh, Alex Williams and kind of putting together the strategic construct around it. And that's who we ended on the strategy. So the yeah. strategy is this idea of, initially I called it true lyricism. Yeah. And I defined it as uh, a true true lyricism is um, oh, it's, it's progressively moving culture forward, um, being amazing at what you do in your craft, mm-hmm. um, and oh, there's one other piece I forget the, the last piece of the strategy at the time.
0: But those are the, the basic buckets. Those are like the pillars that you guys are standing on. Yeah.
1: Progressively moving culture forward, but you're, you're you're good at what you do. That's yeah. another way of me saying like you got to be got to Yeah, it's got to be dope. Facts,
0: facts. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so so from that having that strategy and that construct allowed us to say now we have a filter for the artists we want. Yeah. We want artists who fit, and then I, I talked a little bit about yesterday this idea of progressively conscious. Yeah. Hip-hop. And at the time, I saw this, and, you, and you've you been around hip-hop long enough, yeah. you know it, it goes in cycles. Yeah.
0: It goes gangster,
1: yeah. conscious.
0: Right. Trap. Right now it's trap, so what's next? You know what I mean? It's like, where are we going to go? And know? I
1: think with everything happening it, just socially, like when the music doesn't match what's happening in the social community socially... Yeah. Eventually, you have a backlash. And yeah. I think that's where you have a like unapoli- unapologetically black album from somebody like a Kennedy Yeah. winning all the Grammys, right? I think people are ready for hearing something with a little bit more substance. Yeah. So you have the Run the Jewels, you have the people like Kendrick Lamar, you have the Jay Coles, and when you think about it, the artists with the longest careers that are really the dopest are all in that progressively conscious space. Yeah. You could probably put Kanye in. You could put Kanye. in What's there. The, the, put Jay in there. Well,
0: for, yeah, from a creative perspective, like they're putting together a full body of work versus, and you know, if we want to specifically talk about music being here at A3C, yep. they're putting together a complete body of work versus just, you know, making a record or a song for radio or making a single. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, oh, I'm going to pop and I'm going to... You know what I mean? And it's, and it's having that sort of creative thought process to say, hey, like, I want to tell this story. Yep. And, every, you know, and that's the beauty about art and creativity is, you know, if you look at art, artists is storytelling through a bunch of different mediums. Yep. You know, so what's your story? And, and music, specifically, it's like, you know, they're telling this story through either the instrumentation or their lyrics or their vocals or you know you name you run down the list of just kind of the, the music talents and capabilities that people can have or writing you know what i mean so you know to that point it's just kind of like that's to me you know uh, right now we're in a very very interesting place and you know it's it's going in a cycle i'm, I'm ready for trap to be over um you know it's fun and situationally fun um, but it's I can't You know From a content and, and substance point of view I can't listen to that You know what I mean Well because you can't grow it Right Right And then it's kind of like You know Is this Is this stimulating me
1: or, I mean it, So it's funny Because I, I have two kids I got a two and a four year old Okay um, And I really won't listen to anything I can't play in front of my kids Right So that's my new filter And to be honest Like You don't realize How music affects your psyche Until you listen to music That's right. really good Yeah when you listen, like when I listen to my Bob Marley, I listen to some gospel oh, music. Man. I listen to classical music. I listen to my old school hip hop. So I listen to my De La Soul, my Trap Called Quest. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and when I listen to that, and I feel like how I feel internally, like, because you sing back the songs, you think about the, the concept subconsciously. Yeah. So when you're listening to something that's all about death and destruction, uh, overly misogynistic. Yeah. Um, you know, not really helping the black community that I'm a part of. Then like you know, I'm, it's it just eventually I totally outgrew it so yes. just, I just have I don't really care for it yeah I can recognize greatness greatness in it like I, just some people who are dope who make that kind of music uh, but I personally don't play it
0: so how you know you said something that was really really key and I think that's also just kind of like from a process perspective important when you're listening to the music and using the filter of like not being able to the music you listen to you use a rule of thumb you can't play it around your kids you can't play it so and listening to a Bob Marley listening to a Kendrick listening to you know you run down the list shade. You know, how has music actually impacted your creativity on the business side? And, and you know, because to me, music is a universal language. Yep. So it's about, you know, how can this affect, how, how is, my question is, how has the music actually affected the work that you've done? Yep. You know what I mean? On a daily basis and, and how you went into Obey Your Verse. And I think it's great uh, that you're able to rule that out. And then even now, you know, looking, looking forward at some of the other stuff that you're working on, how has, you know, on a daily basis, how has music impact? You know how you work.
1: Yeah, so I mean it, well music impacts in a couple of things. One is the most creative people on the planet are artists.
0: Yeah. Right? We're all artists called humans. Yeah, well My friend my friend Kenta in Japan told me that.
1: That's well, that's a And he's I'm an like
0: artist, a, yeah. I'm gonna start using that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name again? Kenta. He's he's actually a multi he's a he actually does hip hop, he's a musician, he does visual art. Really, really dope. Uh, yeah. I'm
1: gonna I'm steal that. I'm gonna try, yeah. try to remember his name if I know what <laughs> yeah. to say. I
0: heard from I'll, you. I'll send it to you, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but no, but uh,
1: when I think about creativity and I think about some of the Uber creatives in music, mm. it always inspires me to think differently about business, too. Yeah. Uh, one thing I love that you said on the panel yesterday was this idea of a lot of times you can get caught down in a key performance indicator of like this song you give me has to give me this much return right Right. right. and you lose sight of the of the broader long term impact you can have on your business right so what are those innovative new business models you can bring to bear mm-hmm. that can allow that, create those authentic experiences and also allow people to bring their full creative self to the table in a partnership? And I think Sprite has done a couple of those. One would be like Sprite Core. Are you familiar?
0: I, it, is that a shoot-off of Obey Your Verse as far as like, because no, totally I know you guys with the Obey Your Verse, you did the pop-ups, um, like the bodega so, store thing. So
1: things. so, be, so be completely clear. Like Obey Your Verse is a standalone program. Okay. The, cor- the Sprite Corner that you were yes, talking the Sprite about Corner, that we in New yes, York yes, 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 yes. um, was a totally different so that's a different business model as well so the okay. idea behind Sprite Corner is how do you create real experiences for uh, for young people who wouldn't be able to get that so think about it so I'm going to bring in uh, you know I'm going to bring in you know, DJ Premier yeah. and you get to sit down with a group of 50 people and you get to sit down and kind of listen watch them spin and kind of learn about that Yeah. I'm going to bring in uh, you know, Eddie Wang, I'm going to bring this some famous chefs, and you can sit down and learn how to cook. But creating real experiences that creates content that we can leverage across our platform. So that was basically a, brands would look at that as a content engine and a real and a real experience. Yeah. Like making real impact on young people who wouldn't be able to have these experiences in another way, which is kind of what we talked about yesterday. So that's one new business model. Another one is this idea of Sprite 4, which they call of Urban Reality, hmm. which is this idea of they use the Huffington Post model. Yeah. So basically, it's just go out and find people who are in the community and can contribute, and can contribute, teach them and bring them in, give them some skills in terms of like, when you're getting content storytelling, you should do this. Uh, if you're submitting content to, to Coke, it needs to look like this. Um, and then ha- have them basically go out and leverage their networks and kind of feed us in content, and then we give them back you know we work with them directly give them back uh, uh, so whether it's monetarily or helping contribute to whatever they're trying to build themselves like we buy up some of their stuff and then give it away on our channels so just like forming a true partnership with the yeah. different communities um, but if you think about when I think about music some of the best business models come from like creative musicians
0: yeah. in terms of how
1: you get your music out right yeah. um, how are you going to promote yourself whether it's whether it's leveraging something like a mixtape, or uh, one of my favorite albums of all time is actually uh Prince Paul, Prince Among
0: the Thieves. Wow, this is uh, a throwback. I remember that. I have that. I think I had the tape.
1: I forget the two dudes' uh, names. But yeah, but I, Prince Paul is one of my favorite dudes yeah. of all time. Yeah. he's done super dope. Um, but just the idea of creating a movie, yeah, done way, way back then, you can go back to Slick, I mean, there's that idea of storytelling, right? Yeah, and putting together a a
0: supplemental visual.
1: But like, what he did is like, to me, that births a Hamilton. That births some of these other things you see is like, but people who can like take that and say, how do you tell stories in a different way Mm -hmm. and be creative about it? So when I think about working with our content people, it's not just don't give me a 60 second spot. Yeah, How can we really create a real experience, capture that real experience, and have it have useful enough information that people are gonna to want to look at it not just one time and then throw it away but it's something that you know I can go back to time after time and actually add some value overall.
0: Yeah. For that, you know, how important is, you know, in addition to just music, right? Yep. Or music artists, how important is working with the creative community to you for that process? You know what I mean? Like getting good creative. You know, do you take tradition the traditional route if you look at like an agency model, yep. you have an art director, a copywriter, a strategist, an account person. Uh, somebody in production and everybody in each respective vertical handles, you know, their responsibilities yeah. or are you, you know Is it important for you to tap in externally to the creative community and kind of get their thoughts and stuff like that? So how important is working with creatives to you and, and in the process of like building a great campaign? Um, or just even having their point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh, I mean,
1: it's incredibly important. So one I think internally there's like uh, whether it's a design person's got Mike Bluesman, one of the best designers I've probably ever worked with that works at Code. Um, or it's working with people, you know, at our creative agencies directly. But what I thought was really interesting, I think Kim Page was like a champion of this, like a, and definitely still one of my mentors, of just like finding those uber creatives and bringing them, them in and letting them be part of the process. Yeah. So I think what that looked like in the past, that looked like us sitting down with Drake and his team day one and, and thinking about, you know, asking them and, and kind of getting some feedback from some of their creatives. They were sitting down with J. Cole and his camp. Um, you know, in North Carolina, just really walking through like how can we work together? Is there some bigger things we can do? Do they always work out? Doesn't always work out, but I think you always need to have a seat at the table and then ideas are always gonna get better when it's not served up like here's the spot we need you in. And the first time you're hearing from it, we're asking you approval on a script, versus us saying, Hey, we wanna we wanna accomplish this. You're actually a creative 365 days a year. So come in and kind of help us with that. So I think we could probably do a better job of reaching out to more folks, especially on the bigger brands. Yeah. I think it's easier uh, to kind of like default to, well, we pay these agencies to have these creative people already working there. Yeah. And a lot of times you can have some you know, some agencies with some really good creatives. You were, you were there at the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, but I think we could probably do a better job of actually reaching out to community and making it a little bit more open. And allowing us be more avenues for other folks to kind of Agreed.
0: Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, a, you know, with my consultancy and with Age of the Creative, uh, you know, that's just kind of how I operate is like you know, taking my agency experience and taking the business model and understanding, like, hey, it's art director, copywriter, strategist, is people that come up with it. You know, and having looked at the management experience that I've had and working with creatives. So I didn't manage music artists, I yeah. managed creative talent. You know, I just saw how valuable this these creatives were. I saw how valuable these creatives were. So it was just kind of like, you know, there's other things that they can do and add to the brand clients that they're working with, and so looking at that, taking the model and saying, like, "Hey, all right, cool. You you need you need imagery from a photographer. That's great. Or you need uh, you need some sort of imagery or visuals, whether that's video, whether that's stills, whether that's you know fine art, um, whatever the case may be, in, in the sort of visual vertical, and being able to work and procure the right people, but finding out finding the right people based off of what your objectives are." So I can easily go get you. You want to, you know, put together some visuals for obey your verse or another new music campaign you're doing. Okay, great. Yeah, I can easily go get Jonathan Mannion, but Jonathan, as great as he is, he might not align with whatever your goals or objectives are. You know what I mean? Or his visual aesthetic may not align, or even from a budget perspective, he may not, you know, it may not make any sense. Um, so being able to look at it like that. Uh, so to you, you know, to that point, is it important to really foster? The growth of the creative community on the brand side for you now, and, and and tell us a little bit more about like you know the new role that you've taken in that to, to grow to grow the fostering of the creative community or, or just in general. And it's because it seems like you, you get it you know which is what I appreciate. And a, a challenge that I run into a lot on the brand side and on the marketing side is a lot of times people don't you know marketers don't get it you know they don't get creativity and you know to our point they get caught up in the KPIs. Um, so how how important to you is fostering the creative community and. You know how how much further do you look to go in just building the work that you've already you know kind of started from Obey Your Verse into some of your newer newer initiatives at Coke.
1: Yeah. So uh, so I think that's a great question. I think for me, um, there's a very limited supply of brand marketers who get hip hop culture.
0: Yeah. Even more than just
1: creativity. Like I think there's already a shortage of, of, of marketers who get creatives. Yeah. And they lean tend to lean over rotate on leaning on uh, on creative agencies. Yeah. A lot of times to you know to kind of, kind of get that feedback. For me, I've always been a fan of, like, I don't care where my idea comes from. So is there an opportunity for me to bring in folks? And I think that Obey Your versus a perfect example. Like, that wasn't an agency. That was, that was me. you. That was
0: me. <laughs> and, and your team. And you me know.
1: and some people who I, I, I went around, I was like, who gets it? Yeah. Okay. You get it. You get it. You get it. Right, let's sit down and talk about it. Let's be creative. Let's think through it. Let's do it from a perspective that's authentic to the space. Um, let's have a real strategy that's aligned with the brand strategy, um, and then let's push it forward. And then, on, what the I say the main skill that I have, one of the my most profound skills, are is I can translate culture into KPIs.
0: That's awesome. That's that's something that a lot of people don't have, and that even creatives don't necessarily get that. I mean, what, what would you say is, and again, this is the work that I'm doing on a consistent on a daily basis is, you know, figuring out a way for creatives to understand that, you know, what's an easy way for people in the creative community, because that, that's who some of these listeners are for them to understand the marketing process and understand the metric system and how things kind of work, what's what's kind of like a starting sort of point She you would kind of just have them look at or just that you can explain of, you know, the brand world and the marketing world and how you guys think yep. um, in terms of pay, in terms of engagement uh, with this person to work together, in terms of just building a relationship over time, what would you say about that?
1: All right, yeah, so, um, this isn't any different than doing something creative. Okay. So... Or, or I would say if you're, if, you're a, if' you're a creative, you dive in a thousand percent and you want to learn everything about your area of expertise right So I want to learn how to edit films and I'm a creative. I might take a class or I might buy the software, I might look at YouTube, I might spend the hours late at night kind of getting into it. Um, I'm not saying you need to necessarily do that, but you should at least know the basics. Yeah. And if you were, so if I was to break down the basics of marketing, kind of like this is James, like 60 second version, don't quote this. Go ahead. Any single brand on the planet is supposed to do two things. It gives you something to buy, can physically buy. It could be a service too, right? Yeah. Um, and, and there's certain benefits of that. Like if it's a, if it's a sprite, it's a refreshing drink that I can yeah. drink. Yeah. If it's a, you know, if it's a pair of jeans, it's comfortable pants, whatever that is. Um, then there's a higher order benefit. That's something to buy into. Okay. So you get something to buy in and something to buy into. But what you buy into is what that brand stands for. But right. So holding a cup of Starbucks coffee for some people means something, right? Or walking down the street with uh with my the Beats headphones, especially when they first came out, goes the state. It's novelty yeah and it's and, a novelty and, and, item and it says something about you right so that's the brand great brands stand for something and when they when that coincides with what you stand for then that's you know that, that kind of creates the magic in brand affinity so that's that's like what branding is secondarily if you're actually trying to work with a brand take time to really step back and think about it this way what do they sell yeah who do they sell it to and it really gets down to kind of like the basic four P's of marketing. Foster break down like a little bit of marketing.
0: Yeah. I get too deep. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I monitor marketing, so I'm yeah, so super you, you did, aware. Yeah,
1: I, mean, I know you're aware, but it's just like for, for folks out there, it's just like literally: what is the product? Yep. Where are they selling it? What is the placement of the product? Where can you buy it? Yeah. What's the distribution? How is it promoted? Yep. um and, there's, and what is the price? How much yep. are they pricing it for, right? So yep. it's like, think about that when you think about, I could use, give an example, but I would want to say just like, really dig into like, what are they actually selling? Where are they selling it? And how can you get Then
0: second,
1: The second thing I would also think about is how brands, if, if you really want to know how a brand, you know, the key performance indicators, it's not hidden. So you can go to any annual report yeah. of any company. Now, it's some thick language in there. Yeah. But if you go to the annual report, it'll say, we are trying to drive revenue yeah that means we're trying to sell more stuff we're trying to drive profit we're trying to pull some costs out and sell more stuff
0: which is pretty common for any brand any company you know it's always generate profit drive revenue you know what i mean there's that's i think any company wants to make money
1: but who are they targeting to exactly. so then go to go to their go to their web page look at their tv spots Look at their radio spots. Who do you think they're talking to? Are they talking to adults? Yeah. Are they talking to boomers. Are they talking to teenagers? What types of teenagers are they talking to? From a psychographic or demographic standpoint, are they talking to black teenagers? Yeah. Are they talking to uh, Latino teenagers? They're talking to Caucasian teenagers. Um, you know, they, they go a little bit further. Like, what type of is this a artsy teenager? Are they talking to somebody that's a little bit more blue collar?
0: Yeah. What? And that's you know that's something that you have to understand the landscape of. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a creative and wanting to engage with people on the brand side, like, you know, even yesterday when we did the marketing mentor session, you know, people were coming, hey, I need, a. Uh, we need money, we need da-da-da-da, but you have to, the, all the things that you just talked about, if you don't know, if you don't have that sort of insight to know what their, you know, what their objectives are, to know what their, body, you know what I mean? Like, hey, okay, boom, our, our. Our goal is to drive revenue. Our goal is to move cases. So how do they connect? So there's there's a dotted line that
1: exists between every single piece of creative and the objectives of a company. Yeah. So, you know, your company might have an objective of, I want to grow with young people. I want to maintain with older people. And I want to gain household penetration, basically more humans buying this over their house, right? Yeah. All those strategies require slightly different tactics. But where you creative usually fits in is you're providing content to help persuade people to do something or you're helping them drive affinity for your brand yeah or you're helping them drive their brand positioning statement whether that is this idea of sprite would be being true to yourself yeah um you know you know something like apple maybe something more like ideas of creativity Uh, think about how you fit so if you're creating and basically if you're saying hey i want to work with this brand and i'm gonna help you create content for this brand that content is probably the most valuable thing you can create because content is going to allow us to remain, remain relevant. Yep. It's going to drive brand love, which is an indicator yep. of what we would call incidents, you might call penetration, or just like more people using your using your product overall. Um, so you can start to tie that back. Like, hey, you know what? I'm an artist. Here's a perfect example. I'm an artist. Um, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to deliver you 12 social posts. One a month. I'm also going to deliver for you 10 pieces of content Uh, Musical content. Yeah. All right. So that content is going to allow you to do two things. That content is going to allow you guys to remain relevant, which is going to drive your uh, people who love your brand. Yeah. And we know that that's tied to more people like having affinity for your brand. And secondarily, we're going to be able to tie that content directly to the sale of your product by the location it's going to be shot is going to be in a convenience store, which we know you sell lip balm, whatever it is, whatever that you're trying to buy, right? So it's like. You, you really got to think that that was a really bad explanation. No, it's all good. But it's just kind of like really sit back and kind of think through what that process looks like, what, the, what are they actually trying to get out of it, and try to find the dotted line um, to it. So I guess this, this is probably a much better example. So you, if you can erase that, you can erase that and go back to that. <laughs> or you can listen to the whole thing, in spot. Yeah. No, so, um, so for a perfect example, so Obey Your Verse. Yep. So how do I tie this back to the objectives of Spire? All right, the first thing I did is I tied it directly to the product itself and the reason why I tied it directly to the product is because then I can count cans. cans yeah. if I put it on the product I can say before during
0: after now was was part of this without giving too many you know too, too deep into that and yeah. I, I don't even want to cut you off was part of that strategy to create the cans as a novelty item and as like a collector sort of item or did that just is that something that kind of happened and it was like okay Nas has this hat is on the can so, like, how did that, you know, was that one of the goals, or was it just to push the cans?
1: Yo, okay, so, no, so, okay, there was a few goals. So, the main goal of the whole project was this idea of how do you, my goal, if I take this way back, was this idea of how do I inspire people um, to be true to themselves? Yeah. The best way I can inspire anyone to be true to themselves is by finding someone who is true to themselves, Nas, cam Biggie, right, you know, Drake, and then have lyrics that exemplify that idea of being true to yourself, or statements that, that are tied to that, um, all the while promoting a certain genre of hip-hop. Okay. Right? So if you think about it, the idea that I, that we had, Rakim, Biggie, Nas, Tupac, J. Cole, Missy, all those artists on, the, on kind of one of the biggest stage with a huge media campaign behind it, mm-hmm. that actually matters in hip-hop yeah. and culture. Yeah. That sends signals to young people about hey, I can make money if I make music that is, don't. Yeah. So that's what that's what that really is. How do you inspire people to be true themselves? Well, we reward people who are being true themselves. Right. That's the reason why we work with Vince Staple, et cetera. But the question you asked was this idea of collectivity, right? Of collectible. So I built that up. I used to collect baseball cards. Mm. So I was, very, I was very clear. I was like, each one needs to be individually, say, one of 16, two of 16, three of 16. I chose 16 because there's 16 bars in Six, most yeah, tracks. Yeah,
0: yeah. I built like In most verses, yeah.
1: In most verses, right? Most verses. In the, yeah, in the, in the structure songs. of a hip hop song. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and we did the Hot Sixteen contest, etcetera, with in our partnership that we had uh, with BT, etcetera, about um, I built in the idea of I think I can inspire people to become better lyricists. That's the that's the that's my idea that I don't necessarily like so that's my personal goal was like how can I make hip hop better? Yeah. because um,
0: there's know, a lot of trash out here.
1: There's a lot in of
0: my trash. opinion. Let me just preface that that's my opinion. That's not a fact, but that's just my opinion. There's a lot of trash out there. Yes. I I listen to
1: a lot of trash. So, I mean, if I was to... I could tell you a quick story about a gentleman named uh, named Nick Smith. Best Mm. friend in the world. Works at a city rec center in Rochester, New York, today. Um, uh, We sat down on a stoop. This is probably like 2005. And we were like, man, how can we help these young people um, really realize, like what good music is. music is just poetry. There's good poetry and bad poetry. Don't tell me there's not good music and bad music. Yeah. Um, and we're like, man, how can we really impact these young people? So he came up with this idea called Hip Hop on mm-hmm. So basically, and you've seen, there's, there's programs kind of like this all over the country. So the idea was, what we're going to do is he, he's going to teach people the basic elements of hip hop hip-hop origins, give them a safe place to kind of, like, make music and kind of, like, build with other people, like-minded people. Um, and he's like, man, I'm going to launch it. So he launched it at a rec- city rec center in an inner city in Rochester, New York. It's been incredibly successful. Okay. Um, I took that same idea and was like, man, what if we could do that on a broader scale? That led to me reaching out to Dr. Williams at the, uh, at the Boys and Girls Club and creating Lyricism 101. Yeah. Um, which, is, which this fall will have 6,000 young people. Practicing awesome. to be lyricists over 22 cities at our Boys and Girls Club across the country. That's awesome. That's an
0: amazing partnership.
1: Oh, it, I mean, they're, they're super dope. And if you think about it, what's really dope about it is they. that's that's maybe more, that's 5% maybe. Yeah. The locations, don't quote me on that number. Yeah, it's yeah. a small percentage of the locations. That's a problem. They think they can get up to 80% of the clubs. Hmm. Imagine if you're teaching kids how to be lyricists. They've got, oh, they have about 550,000 teams. Mm-hmm. National, right? They're the biggest youth-serving organization in the country, about half a million teens uh, or so. Uh, but they've been losing teens over the last five years. They're fi- I think it's finally starting to stabilize with Dr. Williams' leadership that he's had over there. Um, but this idea of how do you bring relevancy to the club, right, because they need, need teens to come back. Yeah. Um, my thing is how do I teach young kids about lyricism and the benefits of lyricism? What can that do for hip-hop? Yeah. If I've got 100,000 kids learning about how to be lyricists, learning how to do a freestyle cypher, um, that can change hip hop, yeah. which gets back to my overall goal of like, man, how can I change hip hop? Which all the way goes back to me and my friends sitting on the stoop in Rochester, New <laughs> York, both from us you know from literally a, a school district now was a dropout factory, right? In public education in Rochester, New York, if you look it up, it's notoriously bad. Mm-hmm. It's literally I think it's the poorest city, the poorest mid-sized city in the country,
0: it's really? like in
1: Clint, right? Really? Kodak, Xerox.
0: Uh, yeah, there's Marshall, a lot of yeah. they all failed. Yeah,
1: they all in Rochester. Yeah. Okay. Um. So so you think so it's just like I always like to tell the power of, of, of like your ideas and then you, your kind of like gumption to actually put a plan together and do it. Like, this was just two kids, to be honest. Like, I had teachers tell me, like, ask me if I'm slow or if, if I could, you know, can you learn? And um, there was, you know, I had all that experience just kind of growing up, and I had a mother who was a librarian who kind of helped push me forward, right? Yeah. Um, but it's two kids sitting on a stool in the inner city of Rochester, New York, one of the poorest cities in the country, in the United States, saying, like, how can we impact hip hop? Fast forward, all those ideas and thoughts eventually led to us doing something like a here. Yeah. Eventually led to something happening like this lyricism one-on-one program. Um, what's going to happen tomorrow? Like, opportunities are endless, but like, that's the message I always like to leave, especially that for young folks that are listening to the podcast as well, is like the power of ideas. A good idea is a good idea is a good idea, whether you ain't got a dollar to your name or whether you're super rich. Um, once you're creative and you're a creative person, you have unlimited access to this creativity which is extremely valuable. Yeah. So don't let anyone ever undersell that value uh, because once you learn how to translate it to an agency side, to a marketing world, that creativity is what's going to serve you more than anything else. Me being a lyricist is the reason why I'm able to give dynamic presentations. Mm. It's because I freestyle. I practice battling people and freestyling for years. I I probably have 200 pads, 500 pages full. Wow. Just like I mean, I, I wrote forever.
0: Wow, I'm nice too. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got they got 24-hour the cipher going here, so you might need I, 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 I talked
1: to SoFu Cipher. We did some stuff with them too. Okay, they actually helped create the curriculum. Yeah,
0: dope for yeah. lyricism
1: 101.
0: That's dope. Okay, so you you've essentially just like taken the roots of your passion creatively in music, and hip hop, and writing, and have essentially just translated that into. A lot of the business objectives and a lot of the things that you've worked on professionally. You know, so what's what's next for you as far as like you know what you're working on? So you're not you're no longer working on the Sprite brand, correct? Yep. So we're, we're, what's your role now at Coke, um, and where do you hope to take it? And just, I mean, without giving away too much. Without giving
1: away the secret. Yeah, yeah without giving away the secret. Yeah. Like, what,
0: you know, what are you doing now, and, yeah. and, and what are you looking to do soon, you know, in, in the end of 2016, going into 2017? Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'm currently working on, a, as, the, as the
1: global uh, brand manager on uh Coca-Cola Freestyle okay. so I'm working on we're, we're different parts of the globe and how do we position that specific piece for kind of like uh, to be launched globally and kind of like to grow etc so that's kind of what I'm doing professionally now it's, this is a great advice I actually got from Derek Cobb the guy who created the beverage, one of my mentors okay. um, it's this idea of living in the one and thinking in the two okay. so me living in the one is embracing where I'm at and, and working on this position at Coca-Cola Freestyle which is dope but it's not really connected to culture yeah. So, while I'm doing this, I'm, per- I'm personally preparing in terms of the networks I'm creating, the speaking engagements I'm doing, um, some of the consulting I'm doing on the side for my next move. Yeah, which will probably happen in the next two years. Okay. Do so I know exactly what that is?
0: No, I mean, it is It is the age of the creative, and, and it's a very interesting time, you know, I know myself to be an entrepreneur. You know, this yeah. is like really, the t- more than ever, I feel like there's a big boom on entrepreneurship. And, you know, that's what we use this podcast as, is a tool for creatives, creative entrepreneurs. You know what I mean? Whether you're an artist or whether you're a person on the business side, and also for people in your position on the marketing side, so they... Had the value, and you know, I interview creatives of all different disciplines and artists as well, so that you, you guys understand how they think um, and creating value for, for, for both sides. That's awesome, that's awesome. So, what would you say? You know, you, you touched on it yesterday, um, and I want to get you out of here because I know you got to run back to the office um, and, and probably take in a little bit more of A3C. Um, two, two last questions What's been the well, actually, let me back up. You talked about uh, punctuality. Um, understanding value. You, you touched on a, a four different points yesterday. Uh, I'm remembering two of them, and let me think. The other two we wrapped up at the end of the panel.
1: Yeah, making sure that you're you're, you're on time with yeah. all the requests. That yeah. When you're working with, especially when you're working in a corporate environments. So showing
0: up to meetings on times, email replying back within 24, maybe 48 is like yep. the, the kind of cut off. 48 yep. hours. Especially
1: if you're a more emerging artist. Yep. Like if you're like, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're like Michael Jordan, like. We're going to call you back. Right. So not, right, like, right, right. If you're not Michael Jordan, which is pretty much everybody else, like LeBron, yeah. you lie, you're going to have to put in a little bit more work. Um, second one, to be on point. So, like, when you do have those conversations, be on point and have your research done ahead of time.
0: Attention to detail. That was it. Yep. Uh, yep.
1: Attention to detail. Um, another main point is. Uh, is make sure you don't lose yourself. And this might be actually be different than yesterday.
0: Every day they're different. We'll yeah,
1: no, that's dope. But I mean, it's when you're working with companies, uh, else, it can be easy. You can look at some money. You can look at the opportunity. And you can end up putting out uh, well, something off-brand that can be detrimental kind of like to your movement. Yeah. Never sacrifice your movement for money. Um, and if you're willing to be honest about what you're trying to do and you have that plan, if you can share that up front, you can find the most authentic place that you intersect. Brands want that. Like, we don't want to just sign you and just say, hey, now do this. It's like, well, tell us what you're doing. What are you working on? What do you have going on? What's your strategy for how you're rolling stuff out? Like, um, make sure that you're sharing that, but at the same time, make sure you're thoroughly understanding where they're coming from too, yeah. and it doesn't become a conversational. Well, I have a tour tomorrow. What's up?
0: And that's the timing.
1: Yeah, and timing piece as well. So, I mean, just a couple things to think about. Like, treat people like you want to be treated at the end of the day. If you're trying to, like, get money from somebody, you could, part of it is saying why, you know, know if I'm going to ask my friend for $20, Part of that conversation, though, is like, man, listen, you need to give me $20. I'm going to go take it. And I'm going to do this. But
0: this is what I can do for you. Right. It's always, yeah. you always have to figure out the value proposition of what you can do for somebody if you're asking them for something.
1: I need this. I need to get my hair cut. You know what? And I need to run to the store. Well, if that's what you need. Okay. Oh, well, you know what? Not only am I going to give it back to you, but next time you go to the store, I'm going to pick up your grocery for you and bring it back to you. And you know what? I know you, uh, you take the bus home. I'm going to come pick you up from work tomorrow. Now you have a different value proposition.
0: That's a great proposition and a great example to use. Okay, dope, I love that What What are you, last question um, What are you, musically, creatively In general What are you inspired by And what's like the dopest thing you've seen in general, you know, from a creative or in music, you know, what what what's what's keeping you thinking and, and keeping you creative?
1: Yep. Okay, so one of the dopest. so I'll, I'll answer this in pieces. The dopest project recently that I'm like, so what I'm what I'm listening to when I live here? Yeah, it's probably everything that Run the Jewels does. Okay, love Killer Mike and, uh, and LP. Um, I think that's one of the first time. Yes, two people who are like. neither one of them was my favorite rapper to be honest it's like they came together and they both got they both like accentuated each other and got way better yeah I liked them both before
0: okay but together I feel like
1: they make this powerful dude and I think they they are because they're they're authentically themselves. Okay. Um, you know, it's almost like it's I call it's like the hip hop rage against the machine, right? <laughs> or equivalent of <laughs> that's right? a good example. Of uh, kind of comic <laughs> coaches. That's that's like what I'm grouping on what I'm listening to. when I think about most like the marketing but still in the right. artist space, the whole idea of a high dollar in a dream with Dreamville, genius. It's Just like even talking to those guys and, and, and you know and kind of like uh you know you know even and Adam and their whole crew over there with Cole, like they do an amazing job yeah. of just being very strategic and how they go about going to, mar- going to market, but more importantly they put the fans at the center.
0: Yeah. They realize fan- super important fans
1: can't afford can't afford a fifty dollar tickets to see Cold. Yeah. And you know what? There's a lot of cities in between here that aren't ever going to get
0: concerts. Right
1: so we're going to go ahead and we're going to create something that's going to service some cities who don't get to see it and some who can't Not necessarily afford it. it and they, he created that movement and that's why when he launched Forest Hill Drives people were surprised like how come this how is this going platinum? Like yeah. how, how is he selling so many
0: records? He's built the brand.
1: He's built his brand from the drive up the right way and stayed very true to who he is. I'm, uh, I'm always impressed with uh, people who are able to build things their own way. Even like collect so like the crew is like um, even like the whole ASAP movement yeah like just like the idea of creating a very strong brand positioning, what you stand for, um,
0: always striving prosper.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's 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 very simplistic, but like the way that they put together, the way that they branded it was just like it was incredibly smart. So like the, the cats behind that just they get it. Those are marketers too. Yeah. So a lot of people think like you know because they were
0: creative marketers. Yeah, they're creative marketers. And you know what? That's why it's the age of the creatives.
1: And a lot of times, the the creative marketers are better than the marketers who are sitting in the chairs.
0: I know this. This is why we have this. This is why we create this. Many, many
1: times. So it's like, so the the best marketers who are going to have success in the future are going to be able to pair themselves with creatives, whether that's uh, whether that's in a firm agreement and deal or loosely. Having collectives, uh, I feel like it's kind of like the new, new.
0: Collaboration, uh, yeah.
1: Collectives and loose collaborations. Collaboration
0: and community, yep.
1: It's going to be how you get things done because that allows you to feed into kind of like some of those ideas. And it allows you to spread some of that wealth out. We're not putting all your eggs in one basket. And if the TV spot comes back and it's a hit, it's a hit. If it doesn't, the campaign's over.
0: And that's what the age of the Creative is. is fostering the creative community and really building that and being able to leverage that. You know, the, my relationships on the brand side to say, hey, I have this community of creatives in all different disciplines that we can work together and do something great and help you reach whatever your objectives are. That's really, really dope. Last question and we're done. What does being a creative mean to you? Being a creative to me
1: means having the, I could say, intellectual freedom to let your mind go mm-hmm. um, to unthought of solutions. Oof. That's kind of the best way I could put it, right?
0: Man, I wish I could tweet that right now. I don't even remember everything that you just said, but it sounds I amazing. I felt,
1: <laughs> felt good coming out. My chakras feel good. i <laughs> saying that. No, um, no, but but honestly, if you think about it, is a lot of times you can think very linear, very linear, right? Yeah. Um, you get caught in an environment. Could be working at a job, and everyone's thinking this way. Um, you could be in a crew. And your are rhyming and all of a sudden you guys start to sound the same. Yeah. You could be, you know, coming up with ideas at an agency and you're like, well, that idea was 10 years ago. Yep. Allow yourself to let to allow these other creative elements in your life interject and then think divergently. Yep. How can you be a change agent um, in your home? How can you be a change agent in your community yeah. with your peer group? How can you be that creative change agent, I would even say, uh, within your job or your function or what you want to do with your life? Um, so, I mean, And when you let your mind kind of like grow and expand... And kind of go out and actually experience things in the world. Best quote in the world, Rockham. So Rockham said, You know, they asked me, He's like, Don't you ever get a writer's block? This is very bad. He's like, Don't you ever get writer's block? He's like, No, I never get writer's block. I don't believe in it. So, what do you mean you don't believe in writer's block? He's like, I write until I'm done. And then I, when I'm done, I know I have to get up and go experience more things that are happening in the world.
0: Hmm. Wow.
1: I got a chance to interview Rockham, which was one of the
0: personal that's crazy
1: amazing amazing i culture.
0: met him last year for the first time he's and introduced deep. him to a client of mine that's crazy
1: he's super different it's like that to me i was like that's it but is the same th- that goes with rhyming that goes with like working it's like if you if you feel like you've hit a dead end that's because you need to go out and experience more that the world has to offer
0: awesome thank you so much man i appreciate your time uh taking out your time from work and taking out the time from the festival to come and 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 sit and have dialogue with me uh, where can we find you at? Are you on social? You know what I mean. Is there you have a handle that you kind of go by and you show any of your creative showcasing of the stuff that you're working on? Is where can we find you on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat?
1: Yeah, the easiest one is on Instagram. You can follow me at James Cuth. That's James C U T H. Okay, so, I don't know if it's like Instagram or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> word, word. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, guys, and and thank you, James. Uh, again, man, uh, down here at A3C uh, Hip Hop Festival and, and Conference. Um, with James Cuthbert from Coca-Cola. Um, and again, guys, feel free to, to hit that subscribe button, share this episode, share the other episodes about goal setting, share the other episodes about you know putting things into action and writing things down uh, with the creative community, with your friends, with whoever. Um, and thank you guys so much for tuning in. We have a few more episodes coming up uh, during this time here at A3C uh, with some other some other dope people on the brand side and even on the artist side. So definitely stay tuned. Uh, And apologies for some of the ambient noise. We're in the speaker's lounge. There's a lot going on. But I kind of like that vibe. And we'll see how it comes out. Thank you guys again. And uh, until next time, see you.